Hail and well met. Welcome to another episode of Self Evident. I'm Alyssa, and today I'm joined by Jenna and Kenna Rose. Today we are honored to be joined by a very special guest for today's episode as we welcome Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo is an American actor, producer, director, and author. He is known for his roles in numerous TV shows and movies such as Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Andromeda, God's Not Dead, and Let There Be Light, to name a few. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yes, sir. I think our generation knows you best from your role in God's Not Dead. Uh, You played an atheist professor, Professor Radisson. Um, and That's I was redundant. Just say, just say college professor. College professor. <laughs> <laughs> they already know they're atheists. Yeah, right. <laughs> you played a college professor in God's Not Dead. What drew you to play that role and how did you prepare for it? Well, uh, two years previous, I did a movie with the uh, same group guys, same writer, uh, same Pureflix company called What If. Um, I've shot over 70 movies and I would put What If in my top three. Personally, I think What If's an even better movie. Okay. Um, the, tru- the trouble with independent movies, it's very difficult to, you know, compete against these $300 million avatar movies that have a $100 million advertising budget when we're shooting two, $3 million movies. And um, so when they contacted me, the Pureflix to say, hey, we got another movie. Same writers that did What If, it's called God's Not Dead. You play a, an atheist college professor, a non-nice guy. Would you be interested? I said, yeah, heck yeah. So I read the script and I said, guys, I'm in. This is This is an incredible story. So... Um, it was really pretty much as simple as that, because, you know, what, what I loved about it, what I love about a lot of the movies I've been doing over the last dozen years is uh, I want to do movies that have redemption and hope and love and laughter and faith, things that Hollywood will not do and doesn't do. Um, all they want to do is continue to put out hate and anger out there. And I'm trying to uh, do things that are more of a positive bend. So love doing the role. Um, I also thought we had a good movie going into it. What's amazing is that they they were hoping that the movie would make around $10 million in theaters and then do well in DVD sales. It made $11 million opening weekend. Um, this little $2 million movie went on to make over $140 million worldwide, which is unbelievable. That's awesome. So to be part of that was crazy. But also, please, for those out there who haven't seen What If, I had to recommend What If. It's directed by Dallas Jenkins. If you don't know the name, he's direct, do, doing The Chosen right now. And his father's Jerry Jenkins. And Jerry Jenkins wrote the Left Behind books. Yet my another time, I just finished directing the next Left Behind movie called Rise of the Antichrist, which will be in theaters in January. Oh, wow. wow. That's amazing. That's so cool. This well, is make the- sure people go with that one opening weekend. <laughs> yeah, you've not, you've never a dull moment. No, that is so No, staying busy. I've got three movies completely done in the can, and uh, I've shot another four this year already. i got three more lined up, but three are completely done. Two of them I directed. One is the Left Behind movie. The other one is Miracle in East Texas, true story set in 1930. Uh, wonderful cast, great, great script. And the other one is the Reagan movie. Uh, Dennis Quaid plays President yes. Reagan. And I play as pastor in it. And Dennis and I have worked together before in a movie called Soul Surfer, which you girls might be uh, yeah. familiar with. And uh, I play his best friend in the movie. And I play the, the the father to the two other children. But I'm the one that was actually, the character was playing, was actually in the water when she was attacked by a shark. And so I got to play the hero again. So I saved her life. That's amazing. <laughs> So, the, so the so the movie that is going to come out first is the one in January, correct? January, which will be Left Behind, Left Behind: Rise of the Antichrist. Uh, the Reagan movie will come out probably in the springtime next year. Got it. So cool. Mark your calendars, folks. Um, you have been very vocal about conservative uh, beliefs and very firm in your faith. 
have you been blacklisted because of your faith or because of standing very firm? Yeah. <laughs> what, what... You know, uh, it, it was back it was back around What If, doing that movie back in 2010. Um, I started getting more vocal on, on on the internet. I started getting more vocal on the, on the sets I was working on with people just yelling out this hate all the time. And I wouldn't do it in front of everybody. That person that would do whatever he or she was doing, I would approach them individually because there's no reason to call them out that way and embarrass them or something. And I said, why do you feel this way? And um, it was interesting to to see my wife seeing what I was doing. And she said, you know, they're going to come after you. And I said, well, I don't fine. Let them come after me. But I, I just found it so weird that everything's got to be one sided. Um, and then by 2012, sure enough, my manager and agent called me into their office and they made a lot of money off me in my two series between Hercules and Andromeda. It was 12 years of my life right there. And they said, um, we can't work with it anymore because of your your faith, because you're Christian and because you're conservative. Now I went, wow, you know, I'm in an industry, as you know, with Hollywood is they scream for tolerance. They scream for freedom of speech, but it's all a one-way street with them. If it doesn't go their way, they don't want to deal with you at all. So um, I was I was basically probably the first casualty of the, the birth of cancel culture. Mm -hmm. And um, that's pretty much what happened with me. But I love this industry. I love making movies. I love being on a set. I love the creative process. So I I said the heck with it. I'm going to I'm going to keep plugging away and started my own company with my wife. It's called Sorbo Studios. Please, everybody go to SorboStudios.com. A lot of information on there from both of our websites combined. And, um, you know, we're lucky enough, we're fortunate enough to keep making movies that have a positive uh, message. Out. Yes, praise God, because somebody needs to uh, start plowing a pathway uh, and make an alternative to Hollywood films. So thank you so much for doing that. No, you're welcome. I mean, look, it's 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 crazy what's going on out there in the world. It's crazy with for you guys with your age group. I never had to go through that in high school and college. I never had professors, teachers tell me how to vote, tell me that what to believe in or not to believe in. I, I was a double business major. They taught marketing. They taught advertising. They taught economics. They taught the classes they were there to teach. Today's world, they don't do that anymore. It's this whole indoctrination thing. It's just crazy what's going on. So even though I grew up in the public system, I am totally against it now for schools. I think that our education should be run privately. Um, capitalism, even though as, as flawed as that system is, it's the best system in the world and made this country the greatest, most powerful country in the world. And you guys are our future. I do a lot of work with Governor Scott Walker. If you don't know who he is, he used to be the, the governor of Wisconsin. He now runs um, Youth for America, the YAF. Um, wow, I didn't know and, that. Uh, and uh, I've done speaking events with him through the past. I just finished at the Reagan Library. I'm uh, not the Reagan Library, the Reagan Ranch, and spoke to about 800 high school students that are like you, they're, they they get it and they know that they're, uh, you know, they feel like they're in the minority in their, their world. But trust me, you guys are not. But there's just so many people are too afraid to come out. Uh, in my world, I've got actors come up to me all the time and say, hey, thanks for being a voice for us. And I said, well, why don't you be a voice for yourself? Yeah. I just realized the sheep are going to be the sheep. So I'm not here to wake up the sheep. I'm here to wake up the lions. And you guys are the lions. Thank you Thank so you. much Thank for you. that. And it. yeah, I, I just personally wanted to say, um, basically what you've heard other young actors say is thank you so much for being able to stand up and speak out and not being afraid of cancel culture because it's it really for me it seems like I am surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and you're still here and you're still running so thank you so much please mm -hmm. keep on keeping on yeah. we got to keep doing it you know I know it's overused fight the good fight but we got to fight the good fight because it's it truly is insanity and it truly is the devil's work what's going on in not only america but around the world right now and we we got to fight it we can't get we if you if i stop doing what i'm doing you stop doing what you're doing then they win and i'm not going to let them win uh you know I, i'm a believer in this country is founded on judeo-christian values it's founded by godly men 
Um, it was founded for the freedom of of uh, being, you know, under the rule of a tyrannical government. And now we got a tyrannical government again. I mean, everything we started the Revolutionary War for, our governor, our our own our own politicians are doing it to us right now. It's 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 everything is upside down. I mean, we live in Crazyville, and we got to point out how insane they are because they don't care what they say or do. They honestly don't. So we have to fight back with with the same intensity that they do, but fight back um, not with the anger and hate that they have. Yeah, I think that's a very good point in terms of being different as believers, too. We're supposed to speak truth in love. Well, we're called a harvest, right? So you got to find a way to do that. I mean, I used to get stopped all the time through airports and hotel lobbies for Hercules or Andromeda. I get stopped most of the time by people now saying, please keep making the movies you're making. Yeah. So I know I'm making a difference out there. I've had Muslims come up to me and say, because your movies, I am now a Christian. So I know that this has a, a wonderful positive effect on people. That's awesome. And speaking of making these um, movies, what do you see being the future of Christian content? Well, you know, I love the fact you, you go back 15, 20 years ago. And before that, Christian movies look so cheesy. They look so bad. They, they look like taped on some you know videotape or something. The production value and the, the you know equipment today costs so much less than what it used to cost because yeah, you can you can make a good movie off your cell phone if you know what you're doing. I mean the quality is so good right now, so there's so many talented people on both sides of the camera and people want to work and there's plenty of people out there that are uh, you know like minded. They 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 want to fight the good fight, but they want to make good movies that that have you know it doesn't necessarily have to be a faith based movie. I've got other movies that are family friendly, so to speak, and. Um, these are the movies that, that a lot of people want to be involved in. I get a lot of really quality camera guys, DP guys, uh, people on the other side of the camera that want to work with me. They say, hey, look, I'm so tired of working here. I went to a taping. I remember I went to a taping. Um, one of my boys was a big fan of, uh, fan of the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. And so I know Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre is a creator of that. I, I was in his earlier shows. I did Darman Greg. I did Sybil, Sybil Shepherd. That was his first sitcom back in the mid-90s. Um, I did uh, Two and a Half Men. Yeah. And um, this guy comes up to me while we're at the taping before I started. And he goes, hey, man, I love what you're doing. I'm the only conservative that's on the whole set. <laughs> he said. So he goes, I love what you're doing. And I'm sure Chuck Lorre knows where I stand. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a jerk to Chuck. I kill him with kindness, you know. So um, he may hate me politically, but I, I know he likes me as a person. So um, I think that's what we got to do to keep winning and keep getting out there. We just can't be afraid to throw yourselves in there. I've already been losing jobs because speaking events and um, uh, appearances at these autographed Comic-Con shows because they might get 10 phone calls. Oh, Sorbo shows up, we're in a riot. And these people fold. And I go, look, I'll get my own security. I've yeah. been to enough Comic-Con shows. There's people that don't like me. They never come up. They never come up to me. I said, this is for you to sit there and I'll let 10 people decide what my what my income should be they're taking money out of my pocket and 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 telling you how you should book your show you guys quit being a sheep that's what i keep saying quite just stand up and have some kahungas man i mean come on you gotta get out there and do these things and not be afraid yeah absolutely now as it relates to the field of education you kind of mentioned this already um i know that your wife is very vocal about um supporting public school exit what are your thoughts on public school education um, as I said earlier, it's just it's sad to see what it's fallen down to. I grew up in that world. My dad taught 35 years, uh, seventh and eighth grade math and biology. So it was the world I grew up in. I grew up in a town very small, about 7,000 people just outside of Minneapolis. Um, you know, my world was 
that that was my world. That was my bubble. I was a jock. You know, we get 5,000 people show up at our high school football games. And yeah. I mean, it was a very strong community that way, which was awesome. But it has, it has since changed. And my wife is, uh, we started homeschooling. My oldest now is 21. Uh, when he was after second grade, he said, that's it. No more. And we started homeschooling. And I got to say, she does the majority of it. She's a lot smarter than I am. Um, she was a biochemical engineering major at Duke University and wow, speaks wow. five languages fluently. So, wow. but um, but uh, my kids are great. And as you guys know, in the homeschooling world, I love I love when people say, wow, where do they get their social skills? <laughs> I have yet to meet a, a homeschool kid that can't speak to an adult better than high school kids at public schools. That's right. uh, my kids are great. They're 21 uh, 18, mother boy, and my daughter's 16, about to turn 17. And they are, they're great kids. And, um, you know, it's the one blessing of COVID, if there are any blessings in there, is that parents finally woke up to how horrible our school system is and how horrible the school boards are. And I know here in Florida, I think, I think out of what they say, out of, out of 20 new school board vote-ins, 15 got turned over to the majority conservative. They yeah. booted these people out, which is a godsend. Because to sit there and use the public school as a babysitting service for your kids is insane. My wife's first book on homeschooling is titled, They're Your Kids. So she speaks a lot. She travels the country and does a lot of speaking events. And she has her own uh, program. Their first big conference uh, last year, she's got three lined up this year in the state of Florida alone. So um, it's cool. And one of the, the one of the, the blessing was, the final blessing of COVID is 2 million more kids are homeschooled now. Yes. Two million more, not 2,000, 2 million. Yes. I wanted to ask you, you said that you pulled your son out in second grade. Was it because of the poor education that he was receiving or was it because of political correctness? Uh, we felt at that time it was more of the poor education. We didn't we didn't see the political correctness at that age. I'm sure it does go on. It was California after all. But we were in Ventura County. We were in L.A. County. Ventura County is more of a 50-50 uh, conservative and liberal county. But um it was more just like all the homework that they had to bring home. And, you know, and I remember I had to do that too, but I was pretty, we had a thing called modular scheduling when I was in, in high school. So through 10th through 12th grade, we would always have a two hour block off. So we could sit in the, you know, the math resource center, or the social, whatever, and finish your homework. So you didn't have to go home after six, seven hours of school and do another two or three hours at night. It was ridiculous. I shouldn't, you shouldn't have to be going 10 hours. And the whole thing about homeschooling is, and what the way my wife does it, and a lot of people that we've been meeting, is you teach them how to learn. You just don't be a, make them become parrots. You teach and, them. You know, we understand why two plus two equals four. Don't just memorize it. Why? You know. So it was. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. And I know my kids are heck of a lot smarter than I was when I was at that age. So, um, you know, I I I yeah. We'll see. But unfortunately, my two boys are following down my footsteps. So they're they're they've got an acting as well. And my 21 year old just booked another movie. So he's got seven movies he shot in the last two years. Oh, wow. um, yeah, it's getting busy. And I'm six three, and they're now six five and six four. My boys are taller than me. So <laughs> you're just raising your own replacements. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's true. Said so you guys, I took care of you. When I get old, you got to take care of me. <laughs> That's that's what my dad said. Uh, I I have seven siblings. He's oh just like I, he's like I had all of you guys just because to have options when I'm older. Like who who can I go live with? <laughs> Who's my favorite? Like Tim yes. Allen on, on Last Man Standing. I love that. Show. <laughs> um um. How, so you have eight kids total in your family? Yes, sir. 
Wow. So I'm one of five. I'm the fourth of five. And I, when we stopped at three, we both kind of regret it now, but we're too old to have another one at this stage. But I wish we would have gone for at least four or five because I like a big family. What about the rest of you? How many, how many siblings? I'm one of three. I'm one of four. Yes, I got them beat out <laughs> by go. a long shot. <laughs> well, I did a movie up in um, Ohio a couple of years ago. And between the director, the uh, first AD, and the producer, they had 34 kids between the three of them. That is pretty intense. Oh, they had, like, I think that 11 and 11 and 14 or something. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy the number of kids they had. Phew. Yeah. Well that's, that's busy. a lot of kids. <laughs> I wanted to ask you um, also pertaining to, well, public school education and different policies that are going into uh, the future of our nation. You used to live in California for a good long time. And so you've seen that absolute and utter ridiculousness that that state has spiraled in. Um, what are some warnings that you have for other really dark blue states? Like, for example, Illinois, we have so much wrong with us and what what are your warnings for moving forward well you you have a you have a very bright glaring warning in the city of chicago with that mayor how does somebody like that get elected i'm serious i don't mean this to be like a smart yeah. ass or it's her anyway how does someone like that stay in power when you look at how horrible and the crime rates and the tax rates i mean chicago has a long long history of corruption within its politics and it just seems to get more blatant and more obvious. I mean, I grew up just up, I'm a big 10 guy growing up in Minnesota and uh, my home state is turning into California as well. And it's weird to me when I see what, uh, do I think there was election fraud? There's always been election fraud, but I think it was the most blatant and obvious one two years ago. Uh, in the history of re-elections, um, President Trump got, got 15 million more votes than he got in the first election, 15 million more. It always goes down the second time around. It doesn't go 15 million more votes. He still lost to a guy that never went out and campaigned, that sat in his basement the whole time. I mean, you know, you're the old election denier. Yes, I'm an election denier because it's it's been around forever. And to sit there, the biggest problem, what we need to do is fix the voting system. Yeah. You vote. You got to do what other countries do. You vote on one day only, the election day. If you can't make it, tough, you can't make it. Take that day off. It's make it a national holiday so everybody has a day off. They have to go vote. You show an ID when you vote. That's right. There's a, there's a woman that argued with me and she was getting all angry. And I just I look at this and said, you tell me how voting is racist for the African-American population. And I, I can't begin to tell the stupid things she said because it was just insane. I said, so you're telling me if you're African-American and you go fly in an airplane, you don't have to show an ID because I fly a lot. And everybody in front of me shows an ID before they go through security. So do black people scream racism? Do you not have to show it? And of course, and, and it's just, there's somebody did a, a, a little quick, like 10 minute documentary walking through Harlem in New York City, yep. asking all the black people there, do you have an ID? Well, of course they have an ID. Yeah, the, DV, the DMV's right there. They, everybody had an ID. And one guy just said, you know, it's so funny with you white people, you think that we don't know how to get an ID. And that's the, that's the weird thing. It's it's almost an it, it actually is an insult to the African-American community that they're unable to get a license or, or an ID of some kind. It's crazy. So a 15 year old African-American kid go to liquor store and buy a 12 pack. I mean, come on. This yeah. is this. You're voting for the most powerful position in the world. Of course, you show an ID. I've just read about a number of uh, voting processes down in South America. 
where you have to vote. If you get caught not voting, it's a huge penalty, like in Chile or like in Colombia. I mean, there's a huge penalty for not voting. So uh, I don't say give people a huge penalty, but if they don't vote, they don't vote. Yeah. yeah. If and you don't vote, you don't vote and quit whining and whinging about the way elections turn out. Yes. People, people they have, oh, what difference does my vote make? Well, then if all 340 million people said that, then what would happen? And right now, we need to fix the voting system because it's nuts what's going on in your state, my old home state, and what I consider another home state with California because it's crazy what they've done to those people. Um, there's a reason 5 million people have moved out of California in the last 10 years. 5 million. So what does that tell you? If you're if you're if everything is so perfect and great in your state, why are people leaving? Why are businesses going right. to other states that have uh, better laws and better tax incentives? It's pretty oh. obvious, and people need to wake up. Illinois recently actually introduced a bill that would fine people for leaving, just because we have so many people leaving that they're like, well, my, why not make a profit on it anyways? Yeah. And well, that's that's what they've been trying. They want a Newsom who's made California even worse. He wants to find people for up to or take their taxes for up to three years if they leave the state. Yep. Yeah. And that's a, that's just an obvious right there. It's obvious that they know what they're doing is wrecking the state. So I don't say they're stupid. I say they're doing it on purpose. And they're trying yeah. it's their way of getting more control over our lives. Now, trust you, with COVID, that's what they try to do. Fear is an amazing weapon. Fear is the favorite weapon of any government. And um, that's what they tried to do. And uh uh, I never bought into the whole mask thing. I never bought into the shot thing. I bought it. It's, it's, it's just stupid. I mean, so many doctors out there saying the masks are useless. And of course, they are. everybody was still taking double jabs, triple jabs, yeah. double masks and still getting COVID. Yep. You know, so uh, enough already, guys. Enough of this control, especially at your age group. You have the strongest immune systems around. It's just it's just insane. So how is it living in a free state of Florida where you have someone like DeSantis as a governor? The guy's a rock star. <laughs> he's so good. He's so cool. Hold on. I'll be blank. I'm going to grab something. I'm going to show you something here. So don't go away. So I've had a number of, a number of, um, a number of meetings with him and a number of other things meeting with, with the president. See if I can get this. Any of you guys can see that. Oh, that's, so that's me cool. with Pompeo and Trump and DeSantis. That's that it. That's it. Cool. Go right there. Oh my okay. What was what was that conversation like? Can you share or Please is that is that us. confidential? Well with, with with President Trump, we had met 15 years ago. We golfed for three days together at a charity event in the late. That night. is so cool. He hadn't seen me in 15 years. So we were at Mar-a-Lago, which the FBI raided, of course, of course. which right. was ridiculous. And um he was it was his second day, second time after the Russian collusion ridiculousness, where he got acquitted again. He came walking in because during the, it was during the election year. Yes. And he um, and he had retweeted me 10 times during the election. year. If you don't follow me on Twitter, go to at K Sorbs, K-S-O-R-B-S. Follow me on Twitter. I do we were tweet. reading through your tweets. They are awesome. <laughs> you are you are the only reason I remain on Twitter. Seriously. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, he retweeted me 10 times during the election. year, And he saw me in the big crowd of people. I was probably about five people away. He goes, Kev, love your oh. tweets. So then he, he, uh, and then he so he um, he uh, uh, had his assistant come over and said the president would love to golf with you again. So we went golfing uh, since then, and it's been pretty cool to golf with him and all of it. That is phenomenal. And and I got this year. I was at the Lincoln Day dinner, which is an annual dinner they do there. I was the I was the MC of the evening, which was pretty cool. That is amazing. Like, I got to introduce all those DeSantis and Trump and wow. all these people to come up and speak. So it was pretty pretty quite an honor actually.
Oh, oh my wow. goodness. That sounds like an amazing opportunity. So it seems like you have a lot to maybe talk about at the IFI banquet coming up in October. Can you give us a hint into what your topic's going to be? Well, my wife and I are both going to be speaking there. Yes. So uh, she obviously will touch mostly on home education. Um, we'll talk, we'll both of us talk about the importance of Christian education. We'll both talk about, I'll be mostly talking about um, the battle I have within the world of Hollywood in terms of the movies, like I said earlier, where I'm fighting, my way to harvest is to get movies out there with a positive message, movies out there that inspire people and not bring people down. And um, I'm not telling Hollywood how to make their movies, but I, I am shocked that they're ignoring 80 million homes out there that want the kind of movies that I do. So uh, to me, I'm just gonna keep on plugging along and doing uh, like what I can to put out the good message. And um, we're looking forward to it. We're both bringing our books and DVDs and we'll do a big autograph thing afterwards and probably do a Q and A because we both enjoy doing the Q and A. So uh, we'll see what happens. I know Jenna, she loves your tweets. So how do you use sarcasm and satire to kind of battle against the radical ideologies of the left? Well, you know, I was doing it more, more intense, I guess, on Facebook. I mean, if, if Facebook took me down about a year and a half ago, so I lost 1.4 million followers there. And I know I had more than that, but they were shadow banning me and they were actually taking people away from me. Um, the left hates the truth. They love darkness. They hate light. They don't want anything that's going to expose who they are. And uh, with Twitter, um, they've come after me a couple of times. Uh, certain people that follow me that want to hate me and all that kind of stuff. And that's, I don't care. These people are miserable. You know, these people that come after you, come after me. These are people that don't like who they are. You have to remember that. You can't take what they say personally. These are people that probably need prayers more than anything else. These are people that all they have is loathing for themselves. They have to live with themselves. They don't like their job. They don't like their relationship, if they have any of those things. But I just, I keep plugging away and I'm going to keep doing what I can do to, to, like I said, fight that good fight. And I, with Twitter, I just, I'll take current affairs a lot, but I like to post stuff that's got a little bit of a jab in it as well. <laughs> and uh, just, it just, just make fun of the obvious. That's what it is. I mean, you make fun of the ridiculousness of what we have to go through and listen to the news and listen to the people on CNN say something and you're going, wait, but that's not even true. But they, like I said, they, they love the lie. They don't care about uh, that. They're lying. They don't care. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to keep going after it. Yeah. The, the best way to do it uh, to fight against them is basically to laugh them off the stage. So thank you for actually making it funny with what they say. <laughs> well, I think that wraps up the interview. Um, until we meet again, let us firmly rely on the protection of divine providence uh, Kevin, do you have any closing remarks for advice for our generation on how to remain steadfast in our faith, in our beliefs? Um, to not be afraid. Put yourself in the lion den. Um, seriously, don't let anyone set your limitations because that's what they're trying to do. Don't let fear control you. Um, we all know inherently what's right and what's wrong. So mm -hmm. um, take the better road, guys. Take the higher road and don't be afraid. You're going to get attacked. Jesus got attacked every day. So don't be afraid. Uh, we can't let them control us. I'm not trying to control them. I'm just trying to wake them up to the reality of, of truth and, and, and love. And um, I'm just going to keep making the movies I do because it's, uh, it's fun and it's great to work with people that want to make a difference in a positive way. Great. Praise God. Really yeah. Neat. We're grateful that you're doing that. Yeah. Thank you so much again for giving us 30 minutes. It, it was an honor to be able to interview you. Thanks, guys. Will you see you at the event? Yep. Yes, we're all going to be there. Gonna be so. there. <laughs> all right. Come by and say hello. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day.
God bless you guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You. Bye. This is self-evident.